Hey friends, welcome to the Wild and Free podcast, where we combine our love of great coffee with an even greater purpose, to make a difference in the lives of those affected by human trafficking. I'm Twyla, owner of Wild Ginger Coffee and host of these life-changing conversations. Today, our conversation is with Louisa from Elora House. Louisa has been happily married for 26 years to an amazing man and has two great children, a son and a daughter, both in their early 20s. Louisa has been working with women who have experienced loss, trauma, and are in crisis for over 20 years. She founded Elora House, a home for trafficked women, and has been working closely in and for the home for over two years. She is also a pastor at Elora Road Christian Fellowship and wears many hats there as well. Her favorite thing to do, besides being with people, is eat eating really good food, snacking on chocolate, and traveling. Her two favorite places to go are Italy and San Diego. She is so much fun and so full of energy. You are going to love this conversation. So let's get to it. Just one thing before we dive into this conversation. This episode contains content that may be considered graphic or cause individuals to be triggered. If you are worried that you may be triggered, please listen along with someone you trust. We want our conversations to be helpful, not hurtful to our listeners. So if you're ready and you've got your listening buddy with you, we would love to have you join us. Welcome to the podcast, Louisa. I am so excited that you're here. I feel like I don't actually know you that well, but I've been at some of your events at Elora Road and we have some people in common that we both love very much. And so I think this is going to be really great. So welcome. Thank you. I'm excited too. <laughs> Good. Well, why don't you go ahead and tell um, me and our listeners a little bit about yourself um, so we can get to know you just a little bit. Sure. So I'm married 26 years ago yesterday, and I have uh, two children, a boy and a girl, 22 and 20. And I love really good food and chocolate, and I love travel, and I am a romantic, (laughs) romantic kind of person. I am very energetic and love to do a lot of things. I have a lot of hats that I wear and I am, people call me the energy bunny and I laugh at that, but that's in essence what I am. And I I love, I love people and I love God Mm -hmm. and I love what I'm doing. And I wake up every morning getting to do what I love, which is not a very common thing amongst people that I know. <laughs> so um, that's a little bit about me. That's awesome. How do you how do you fill your days? What are some of the things like what is a day? I know you're the Energizer Bunny, which by the way, seems pretty like an accurate description <laughs> of you from the little that I've seen you. You seem to have um, endless amounts of energy. But yeah, what what do you how do you fill your days? Um, so Every day I do my best to get up in the morning and read something positive um, or inspirational. I do my best to exercise almost every day. Um, And so like those are just kind of like common things that I do every day. Drink lots of water, eat healthy, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But I work at the church and so I do several things there. I work with like the compassion ministry. I work with groups. I work with children's ministry. I work with women's ministry. 
Um, I do a lot of outreach. I also um, direct the Allura House. Um, yeah, so I do a lot of things. Plus, I have a lot of family and I have a lot of friends. And so I'm just like, every day is really different. I can't say mm -hmm. a typical day for me. They're all adventurous and there's always a crisis. There's always, not necessarily in my life, but mm -hmm. there, that's been, that's happened too. But it feels like every week there's at least a couple days where there's some kind of crisis that I'm involved in helping. And so that keeps me very fresh and excited and, uh, yeah, like I never know what the day is going to bring. I try to plan my week. Yeah. <laughs> but um, like, for example, this weekend, I was supposed to have the entire weekend off. I worked almost all weekend on outreach and helping some girl that was in trouble. But yeah, it's like, I don't know. And that obviously energizes you. Like it does. To me, it's like if there was a crisis every mm -hmm. week, I would probably crawl into a corner and be like, what the heck? Like, but that is obviously like yeah. a way that you are wired and you have your hands in. Yeah. So I, many it keeps things. me, it keeps me on my knees. Um, <laughs> honestly, we like, all need to be there. <laughs> it keeps me recognizing that I can't do this work without, without God, honestly. Mm. And so as long as I'm connected to him, then I just wait. I just ride the wave. <laughs> I'm like, okay, what's it going to be today? So honestly, I yeah. seriously feel that way. So yeah, yeah and I mean, in amongst all of that, so you know, you mentioned Elora House, like it's just one of the things that you do, but that's a pretty big thing. Um, can you just give us a sense for what um, Elora House is? It's a, a home for women transitioning out of the sex industry, if I'm not yes. mistaken. So can you just tell us a little bit about how, how that works, what that is? Oh, okay, sure. So it's a, it's a safe home for girls that have been trafficked. And basically, it's a 24-7 care facility. Mm -hmm. So we have staff on every minute of the day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we have... Um, it's basically we're supporting them um, emotionally, physically, um, if they want spiritually. Uh, we bring therapists, we bring them to horse therapy. Um, mm -hmm. We have concussive therapy because most of them have concussions or brain injury. We do art therapy. Um, we get to make sure they get to see lots of puppies and dogs because they love that. Um, I don't know if I said art, but uh, we do like we help them with getting debt under like wrapped up we help them mm -hmm. introducing them to lawyers we get them in touch with like um a nurse practitioner we have our own nurse practitioner we have our own lawyer um we have like daily inspirational um, encouragement journaling we teach them five core values which is um communication um, gratitude, ownership, balance, and um, mm. collaboration. So we teach them about that every day. We get them to do, I think I said this, we get them to do journaling. We teach them life skills like cooking, cleaning, yeah. um, gardening. Uh, mm. we, we teach them courses on healthy relationships, um, self-harm, mm. addiction. It's actually quite an amazing um, home. And mm. All those things are great, but at the end of the day, the best thing about this home 
in my humble opinion, <laughs> is that it is a home. Mm -hmm. and it is a home for them because they don't have a home. Yep. Most of the girls that we see don't have a healthy family to go back mm -hmm. to um, or that they feel safe with. Uh, mm -hmm. They don't have connections in the community other, other than unhealthy ones. Right. And so often they need a mom or a big sister or a friend. And so the staff at Allura House, their first priority, I tell them, is to care for the girls, to mm -hmm. care for their needs, to show them that they're accepted, that they're loved, even when they act crazy and, you know, like somebody with trauma would yeah. um, act out and stuff like that. So the number one focus underneath everything is love and care mm -hmm. and kindness mm -hmm. and no judgment. And out of that place, all those programs and courses are great, but as many of the survivors have told me, those things are all great, but if, if we don't think that you care about us, we really don't care. And so they do say that they do sense and feel loved, and mm. so that's really cool. That's so good. Yeah. Um, so how does that, I'm going to go a little bit off the script here because I just have so many questions. No, it's okay. Um, when the girls come into the into your, your house, how long um, do they stay? Is it sort of open-ended? Is it, you know, an individual we sort of evaluate, see how you're doing? And, and how do they come to find out about your home? So how they come to find out about us is yeah. through our connections, through like, police, victim services, okay. um, uh, like the women's shelters, they, yeah. they know about us. So they okay. find us out just about that way or through connections that we have in the community. Mm -hmm. um, as, as far as how long they're supposed to stay with us, so our goal is to have a three-phase program where we have the first phase, which is like a rest phase where they come in for six to eight weeks, sort of breathe, mm -hmm. get onto a normal schedule and then eventually move to a second phase, which would be a longer term, like a year long. Mm -hmm. We don't have a second phase set up yet. So what we decided was when we bring in the girls, if they have nowhere to go, if we don't have a second phase for them or they're not comfortable going or they don't, whatever, we will keep them as long as we need to. So it is open-ended, although it is designed to be six to eight weeks. So when COVID hit, Mm -hmm. We all of a sudden couldn't have hardly any volunteers. So we had to hire staff right away, like, like full-time staff. Right. And then we um, had to keep the girls longer, which is totally fine. And so yeah. we sometimes have had girls, I think the shortest stay was maybe two weeks, but that was only one girl. Most of them have been about eight weeks or longer. Okay. We've had a girl, a couple girls in there right now that have been there for seven or eight months. Okay. Um, and that's great. Like we're, they're mm -hmm. learning a lot and growing. Um, there's a lot of programs that are like that. Like, Oh, you've got 30 days and then you got to go. Yeah. Well, what if they have nowhere to go in 30 days? Yeah. And like, recovery and healing, like there's no structured, like here are the 10 steps to you and everyone's going to reach those stages um, mm -hmm. at very different times. So I, I, yeah feel like that would be one kind of challenge to to know when someone is ready to yeah. walk into the next phase or or what that looks like um yeah. i agree like we've had one person out of we've had over 20 women come so far one of okay. them was like 
didn't have any addictions, did really well, was with us for eight weeks, um, came and like did some daytime programming after, mm-hmm. eventually even worked with us and mm-hmm. is doing great, is in university, doing great. Yep. That's not normal. Most of the girls that come have addictions and the journey is much longer. Yep. It's it's much more difficult. Not that mm-hmm. her life wasn't difficult, but when mm-hmm. you're not addicted to drugs, um, yeah. that's a big plus yeah. on your recovery. Because you can't even begin to deal with Mm-mm. you know the the trauma and the you know the things that the thing under the thing under the thing under the thing that you know landed you here exactly. um, while you when you can't think clearly or you know yep. any number of of those things um so how many how many women c- can be in the house at one time four okay okay mm. so you're and quite that's a lot uh, yeah <laughs> um do you find that you are having um girls wanting to come and stay um, and you have to turn them away because you don't have space um, or does it seem to sort of work out? It's been working out really well. Um, it's It's been weird. It's not that there's a lack of sex trafficking. I mean, that sounds weird, but it's still yeah. happening. Yeah. Um, but it's for them to want to come with us. It's very different than just getting like a relief at a shelter with us, it's very quite, it's quite different. They have to give up their phone. Mm. They have to quit smoking. Um, and so they, it's a commitment. They have to decide this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it takes them a while to get there. So we yeah. have a lot of people who are interested in coming right now, but they have to decide when they're ready. Right. Make and whether they're moment. willing to, to make the, yeah. the, the required changes or things that they are going to have to live with while yeah. they live with you. Yeah. Um, so do you have openings in your home at this time or are you full kind of with, you know, some of the girls staying longer than we just, we just had a girl graduate recently um, and one just left. And so we have two right now and mm-hmm. one is graduating next week. So it'll be, okay we have a newer girl in there right now. So then we'll be like, we've told the community we have space. And um, so hopefully we will get them in there. It's, it's kind of like, we want to get them in there. We do want to get them in there as fast as we can, but you can't, it's different. It's different than like, you know, at a hospital um, it's like, Oh, there's a bed, fill it and throw somebody in there. Mm -hmm. I want to, because I want everyone off the street but it also has to work with the home. And so that's where yeah. we're, we're a little different. We, it's not that we want to turn anyone away, but if they're not serious and not ready, it's just not going to work. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's one of those things where you can want something. And I think I've talked about this on probably with almost every person I've interviewed on this podcast that's worked with, you know, any type of, <laughs> of vulnerable person and you can want something so badly for somebody else, mm-hmm. but if, if they're not ready, if it's not the right time, then you're, you're just, you know, pushing and trying to control the situation and make something yeah. happen. And your heart can be so like, you want it, mm-hmm. you want, you want good things for them, but it's coming out a little sideways and, and then it's, yeah. you know, disappointing when, yeah. when it doesn't go because nine times out of 10, it doesn't go right away. It doesn't go in the yeah. way that we would, would want, would want it to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'd like you to walk us through a little bit of how it started, just because 
often we hear people say like, I run this organization or I started this and, you know, I just went and I did it, but we don't hear um, the nitty gritty of how that actually came together. And I think sometimes we, we think that maybe we want to start something or we want to do something and then we go to start it and everything falls apart and we're like, why does everybody else's experience seem to have been, you know, how did they get to have, mm. you know, how do they get to have this house where they have and all these people to mm. work with and, and lawyers and like, you know, mm. we, we, we see the, there was nothing and then there was this house, but mm -hmm. your experience with that of how you actually came mm. to, you know, why did you even start doing this in the first place and how, okay. how did that come to be? <laughs> well, that's a big <laughs> question, but like, I want to No, it's it. good. <laughs> It's good. I actually keep thinking I need to write a book. Um, but no, it's true because I feel like the way it's all come about, it has been quite miraculous. Um, mm. Along with the fact that I am like a dog with a bone. And when I want something, I'm going after it. And when I stand up for something, I stand up for it completely. So I'm going to tell, I have to tell you where I come from in order for you to understand mm -hmm. the passion behind it. Yes. So when I was about 15 and a half, don't worry, I'm not going to get into all the nitty gritty, <laughs> but when I was 15 and a half years old, I started dating a 21 year old and, you know, looking back, I think, oh my goodness, what was my mom thinking to let me do that? But I was a pretty persistent young girl. And the reason I dated him was not because he was good looking, not because he was kind, but because he paid attention to me and he was older, he had a car and I wanted someone to love me. And I had no self-esteem. I didn't think I was pretty. I didn't feel like I belonged from a very young child. So I started dating this guy. So he was very nice to me for the first year or so. And then he became very emotionally abusive, even um, physically and sexually abusive to me. So I stayed in this relationship for almost four years. And I stayed in the relationship because a lot of things went through my mind like, well, I'm not going to get anything better. Nobody else is going to want me. I'll probably end up alone. It's probably my fault anyway, like all these things. And I say that because that's what these girls go through. Um, they think they're never going to find anybody better. It's all their fault. Like, so I can relate to them at that level. So what mm -hmm. happened was I ended up, um, he tried to, he tried, like, he tried to, um, strangle me at one point. Well, not strangle me to death, but he was like, had my hand. Well, whatever. He put his hands around my neck anyways. And so I decided that probably I should break up with him. <laughs> and even like, at that what was point, your first clue? <laughs> I know. Right. Like, hello. But at that point, it was still hard for me to walk away because of the bond that we had. Mm -hmm. Sick as it was, it was a sick bond, but it was nonetheless a bond that I could not get myself out of. And Your needs were being met in it's in a twisted way, but it's hard yes. to walk away from somewhere where yes. in some weird way, this need to be like, seen and whatever it, it's yeah it's not in a, a healthy way but it's yeah. how do you walk away from that and i feel like the women that you work with would have that very similar exactly crisis yeah exactly and so if it had not been for a very close friend of mine who basically said i'm not letting you date him anymore like mm. it's over louisa you need to make it over and i'm like I know, like, you know it's wrong you know it's not good and even for six months after 
I had such a hard time. Like if it wasn't for her, I would have went back to him. Mm. And so, so anyways, time goes on and um, I ended up um, being um, abused by uh, a boss and then spiritually abused by a pastor. Mm. So again, I thought, you know, this is just who I am. I mean, obviously I'm doing something wrong. Mm. All these people are mean to me. And so then I found true freedom. Hmm. And um, when I did that, I decided, you know what, I'm going to be a voice for people that don't have a voice like I didn't, and I'm going to help people. And so I, as soon as I became a Christian, I decided I wanted to open a, a facility for women, a 24 seven yes. facility, but I had no idea what that was supposed to look like. So I started finding them and I went to visit them. So I went to, um, I went to Windsor. There's a, a facility there. I went to, I went to um, California to the dream center oh, and I spent wow. a week there. I did a missions trip for a week and served there and looked into like what they do. And I, I went um, to, there's one in Arthur. Like I looked around and I, and I looked at what there was and I wasn't really, I took bits of everything and I was like, oh, you know, like I'm, I'm not sure what I need to do. And then I ran, I met a friend, a friend introduced me to a, another friend and her daughter had been trafficked. Mm. And I did not have a clue that this was happening in Canada, let alone my city. Yeah. And she went to tell me that her daughter had been trafficked and tricked into this relationship with a boy who she met at university. And I was like, no, University of Guelph? And she's like, yeah. Like, they, he pretended he was her boyfriend, and then he manipulated her and isolated her and all these things. And I'm listening, and I'm like, that's kind of what I went through. I was manipulated. Mm. I was insulted. I was isolated. Like, all those things. And so... She got me interested. I um, started a group for women, uh, for parents whose daughters had been trafficked. So I started that. Mm. And then she invited me, the same woman um, invited me to a, um, I guess you'd call it like a coalition of community partners working together towards ending human trafficking. And they had this big thing. There was like 200 people there. I got in sort of undercover because I wasn't a, like, I'm a church person. I'm not like a, like I'm a pastor, but I'm not, I don't work for an agency. Right. So they right. have the agencies there. So I get there and I'm hearing the women talk and hearing their stories and hearing the community. And I, by the end of the conference, I was, I was, first of all, I was um, triggered and like, I felt like mm -hmm. I relived my whole um, childhood. And then I was like, I cannot do nothing. Hmm. I cannot do nothing. I cannot go home and do nothing. I have to do something. So I went to the leaders and I said, what do you guys need? What is, if you could have something, number one, what would you have? They said mm -hmm. more housing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. I'll get you a house. They're like, oh, how are you going to do that? I'm like, oh, trust me. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm like, I am. I'm going to pray and I'm going to get you out. And so, um, honestly, if I like, I, I'm almost afraid to tell you how it all came about because it was so ridiculously crazy. Um, 
But I started telling people at the, so I have a princess ball every year at the church. That's where I was at that. Okay. One of the last ones you had. Yes. Right. And so I started talking about the vision of Allura House that I wanted to do this. Right. And so people just started hearing about it and I like planned out what I wanted. Um, me and a friend of mine, um, we went to the States and we discovered a place that does this. And we ba basically, they, they mentored us for a year and gave us their model, like showed us mm. what we, what we can do. So we weren't just like making this up out of our own, you know, we actually did homework yeah. and we found yeah. out what works. <laughs> so they have a very good model that they've been using. So we just started telling people and we started um, connecting with community partners. I felt it was very important to get connected to the police, to the hospital, to the shelters. And, and so I started building relationships with people. And then I started asking them to be part of our um, committee and just started talking to people. And then somebody came up to me and said, I, I heard you are wanting to do a home for women. And, um, we'd like to buy you a house. Now, uh, probably three weeks before that conversation, um, we had sat down as a committee and, and we're trying to figure out how much money we needed to raise. And it was going to be a whole lot of money. And mm -hmm. they were like, this is going to take us years. And um, I said to my husband that night, you know, somebody just needs to buy us a house and we'll rent it from them. And he said, who's going to do that? And I said, well, that's not my problem. That's God's problem. <laughs> And literally, it was like within a week or two, they came to me. And so it just like, then I called the committee, guess what? We got a house. And they're like, and they're like what? <laughs> and um, just like telling a lot of people and just honestly praying and just putting it out there to the world, like talking about it, believing it, writing it down. I've learned all that stuff because I worked for, I, I had my own business before. And so I learned like, when you have a goal, what do you do? You write it down. You, you know, you focus on it. You, like, so I just, that's what I did. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to find people. And I started going out and talking to different people and asking them if they would partner with me. And I raised like a monthly, I said, okay, I have a goal to raise I think it was 10 grand a month at that time. That's all I thought I'd need. But our actual budget now is like 25 grand a month. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know that. No, but I was like, I found enough people to cover that. And then um, we had the house. And then because I talked to people, people just like, hey, you can do this. And hey, I heard you can get money here. And we just, it was all word of mouth. I didn't do mm -hmm. advertising back then, nothing. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's how it started even when I think about it, it, it boggles my mind because mm -hmm. we've got a beautiful place. Somebody furnished it all for us, painted, like took care of all that. Like, That's like they, they did all that. Um, it's just been really amazing. The community has linked to arms with us. And, you know, when you're really passionate about something, um, people can see it in your eyes. Hmm. So I got invited to a meeting and it was a bunch of people. This was before we started. And there was a bunch of people that were showing um, their, their business model or their, what's okay. it called? Business, like a plan. business plan. Yes. Yeah. They're going to show their business plan to this 
business guy and he was hopefully going to give them money. So they invited me to this. Well, I show up. I just got back from Italy. I have a piece of paper. My business plan. <laughs> And they come in with binders and they're educated yeah. and they know everything and which is great. And I'm not against that, but yeah. I'm like, I, I have life education. That's it. Mm. So other than my high school and I went to college for something, but nothing related to this. Yeah. So I go into the meeting and they're all going around the table. And one of those people that were there, which that would have been at least three years ago has, has, they're just about to open their place. They hadn't opened it yet, but they were there and there was a bunch of us and um, they all went around and said what they wanted to say. And basically I just shared from my heart. Yeah. He called me <laughs> and he gave me the money and he said, you don't have much of a business plan. <laughs> he said, but I can tell yeah. that you're going to get it done. Mm hmm. And, mm -hmm. and it's not that I'm anything special because I'm not, it's just when you're passionate about something that is mm -hmm. so right, you can do it. You put your yeah. mind to it, you can get it done. And yeah. so that's what I did. It, it sounds like, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's, it's good to have, it's good to like learn things and have knowledge and, you know, have all the education and everything. But so often we actually allow those, those things become barriers because we think we can't start until we have them. But right. like, if the Lord has asked you to mm -hmm. do something, will mm -hmm. he not provide like exhibit oh, yeah. A, Elora yeah. house. Right. And yeah, it's, it's it's obviously it, it's it's his thing yeah oh <laughs> as absolutely. much as it is your your passion it's his and, baby it's his yeah. baby because yeah. i remember the one day being so frustrated because i had taken off a lot of time and i'm like i don't know what to do for fundraising god like i don't know what i'm doing i'm talking to him i'm like i don't know what i'm doing and um i said so many times probably at least five or six times i remember saying on this journey god if this is you then you better show me this because I'm not doing another thing until you show me. And he would. Yeah. And the one time I remember sitting on my bed and I'm like, I'm not moving from this bed until you show me how I'm supposed to get this money. <laughs> yeah. And the phone rang mm. and I didn't answer it. And it happened three times. The phone rang and I'm like, God, I'm not. And I finally felt like God said, Louisa, answer the phone. Yeah. So I answered the phone and it was a friend of mine and we weren't really good. Actually, I would say an acquaintance. And she said to me, I just want you to know, I have an idea for fundraising and I've already connected to a bunch of people and we're, we've got already about 30 grand solidified. You're like, oh, that'll, that'll do. We can start with that. What? And, I, and I just said to God, you need to show me the money because I don't know what I'm doing. And so even like when it came to um, people working with us and experienced people and just like even working with the girls themselves. Like he is the reason why I can do what I do because I'm doing it out of place of love mm -hmm. and obedience. Yeah. And I'm not, not trying to, I'm not trying to, there's no special hidden agenda. I'm not trying to make them all Christians or anything. I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I want to love them. Mm -hmm. I want to, serve them. I want to honor them because I know what it's like 
not maybe as much as what they've gone through, but I know what it's like to feel unloved and unwanted and feel dirty and feel like, like a piece of poop. Right. And so I want to, I want them to, to know the freedom I have and to know that they're loved and know they're accepted and know that they can start over. That's why I started the princess ball. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To show people that there's, it doesn't matter what's happened to you. Mm -hmm. I mean, it matters, but you can still have a good life. You can still yeah. have another chance. You get to write the end of your story. You maybe didn't start your story, but you get to finish it. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. And I mean, so how, how many years has the house been open? Like when did you, when did that all start? Like what year would it's, that have been? It was, so it's been a year and a half. Yeah. It was, well, wait, it might be a little more than that now. It was March, I think it was March 12th or something like that. So um, this coming March, it'll be two years. Yeah, that's insane. Hey, like, I think yeah. sometimes we think, yeah, when we start things, we don't, we don't know how long or how short it's going to take. We no. just have to like, grab Jesus by the hand and be like, all right, I'm right here with you. Like, and sometimes well, it's going to move slower than we want. And sometimes it's going to move faster. Yeah. And we're really just, you know, like you said, riding waves along, along for the ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to see it's what, true. what he's going to do. Right. Mm -hmm. um, what, what would be some of the most rewarding um, moments that you have had at the house so far? Um, and after um, that, and along with them, you can also share the, the biggest challenges as well. Those sometimes go hand in hand. So, um, so I've had a lot of rewarding moments for sure um we like the graduations we've had and um seeing the girls come in like one one example is one of the girls that came in um this past year when i first met her she was like she lived on the street so she didn't really have any sort of background on even how to eat in a proper etiquette or keep clean or anything. So watching her the first day come in and just shove food in her mouth and um, just leave everything everywhere and um, not want to participate to a beautiful, you know, kind-hearted woman who's like cooking and cleaning and um, are participating and then graduating and making a really great decision to go to a next step to to get even to grow even further in her recovery like just mm -hmm. just watching that and and um her reading every book that she could get her hands on and <laughs> making decisions for you know she she chose to be part of like there's a faith element in what we do. Obviously it's optional. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has to, but she was very interested in learning mm. more about that. And just her heart was growing. She learned about forgiveness. She like, it was just like, Oh, this is so beautiful. Mm. Um, that's one of the, one of the highlights for me is seeing someone who was so without hope, all of a sudden start believing in herself all of a sudden start saying i'm gonna do this i'm gonna make it and someday i'm gonna come and i want to do what you do i want to help you mm. like that's whoa right that's yeah. awesome which is just like the full circle of you know you you know taking it's funny how our 
usually our, our pain becomes our purpose. And, yes. and like watching someone be able to move from this, this like place of, of pain and, um, and of having been an actual victim to, to being able to like purpose that into pouring into this to be so healed and so set free that you are, you have the capacity to reach back and pull up somebody else. Like that yeah. is, yeah. you know, which, which you have done full circle in your life. And so to see these women that walk through the doors, you know, and not all of them will, but when, when one of them does, well, and I've, that does I've told them all. Yeah. Like, and I've told them all that that is the goal at Allure House is we actually want them to come back when they're ready and work with us mm. because they are going to be yeah. the best people to work with these girls. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, like, I feel like I can relate to a lot of them. Of course, they had much worse situations than I did. Um, But I can relate on a lot of levels with them. And that makes Mm -hmm. it really good. Um, I think the hardest challenge that we have right now is not having a second phase that they're connect that we are connected Mm -hmm. to. Like there are some other places, but imagine they've just spent two months, five months, six months with us. They trust us. And now we're asking them to go to a completely different program, somewhere Mm -hmm. completely different. And now they have to tell their story all over again. Now they have to build trust all over again. So having Mm -hmm. a second phase with continued staff that they would know yeah. would be amazing because what happens is they're like, no way I'm not going somewhere else sometimes. And then they think mm-hmm. they're ready and they're really not ready. We can't yeah. force them to stay. Mm-hmm. And then some of them do okay, but a lot of them don't if they're not yeah. ready. And yeah. then they, you know, either end up coming back or whatever, you know? So yeah. that's the biggest challenge is not having a second phase. And then also not having great living, um, options for them because you know no offense to the system at all but it's like you all this supportive housing they're all together and it's not safe places for them Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I just I have some ideas about that too but I had actually wanted to ask you about that that I've been I'm, I'm so intrigued that's part of like kind of my heart in the you know looking at the process from you know, someone being vulnerable and then to being trafficked and then to being rescued per se and then to healing and then how that piece of transitioning back into society. Like we we have not given, like we have not done that well. I don't think that we know how to do that well. And, you know, we are pouring all this work all along the way and we need to, but I like, yeah, that that transition out of, you know, your place into another place, into society to be able to mm-hmm. re-enter as, you know, a contributing, yeah. like, safe places to work, safe yes. places to live. Where yeah. And I've often said, like, I would love to have this, like, if I could just, like, own an apartment building <laughs> and it would be, like, subsidized rent. So, like, they're half, yeah. you know, it's, it's manageable mm-hmm. rent, but they're getting, jo- like, just there has to be a better way that it's always, like, and you're in this bubble of recovery mm-hmm. and then you are burst back out into the very same place that you came from yeah where you cannot afford to live yeah you, do, you don't have a strong community base like how yep. i guess what how do you what i mean i know you said you have some ideas and i'm sure you have a lot of 
Yeah. So in Florida, Sula Freedom does this really well. So they have what they do is mm -hmm. they have um, after their second phase, they start. Well, they do volunteering during their second phase and then they start getting ready to look for a job. So in their third mm -hmm. phase, they help them find an apartment and they subsidize their wage. Like, yes. so they, the first month they pay a hundred percent, then 90, 80, 70, and it goes down every month, but they give them wraparound support if they need it. They make sure they have a job, they stay connected. So it's like, a, it's basically from start to finish, they're with them for about two years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. and then they're like, so when I went to Sela Freedom, cause I stayed there for a weekend and I stayed at the beginning home, which is what we have. Right. They had a girl working at that home that just graduated from the second phase, working there after one month of graduating. That's crazy. Right. Like and the lady who was the program director had been had been a survivor as well, or a victor, yeah. which yeah. I like to say. Yeah. Four yeah. years prior. So four years prior. And she turned around and she became the program director. I think it was four. It might have been longer. But anyways, regardless, she was the program director. She yeah. was directing the whole thing. Yeah. And who better? Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> right? They should be. Right? Absolutely. Like it's a so, tool that's like made for them. That's my that's my dream. That's my goal is to mm. hire them when they're ready. Yeah. And yeah. help. Like even when I'm making pol policy changes or guidelines for like the home I always ask the girls in the home so what do you think about this how does mm -hmm. this guideline make you feel like mm -hmm. there was um mm -hmm. some were about like dress code I'm like what do you think about this dress code like is this weird for you if I say no butt cheeks hanging out of your shorts like does yeah. that bother you and they're like no that's probably a good idea unless we're like getting ready for bed or unless we're working out we might not want to work well I don't want to make it like hey these are the rules yeah I want your input like give me some input so mm -hmm. which also like instills some amount of ownership as well yeah and that's why I think that part of you know, you, the transition between where like at the beginning, like you said, they, you just, they need a space to rest with like, yeah. without all the other things, because you can't even begin. And then you have to somehow start to introduce responsibility. Right. Yes. And, and yeah. that phase, I feel like we, we don't have a lot in our, anything really. I don't know that I'm aware of. I'm sure there's lots of things I'm not aware of hundred percent. Um, very yeah. new to this, but that, yeah, that piece is sort of, you know, um, a little bit missing or fuzzy or that you know um we haven't done that well in the past so we have done um like our friends from the industry a, a great disservice in that yeah um, yeah so i i'm excited <laughs> to see what might what might come for for you guys if you're able to show that that's and that's one of the things like um part of the heart of our coffee company has always been like the dream down the road is to be able to have something where we can employ women and give them mm -hmm. some sort of job experience, something to put on a resume, something that's like, yeah. here's how it feels to work. You don't have to yeah. do this for your whole life, Yeah, but it's, it's a job and it, you know, and, and anyway, mm -hmm. so if you ever get to that point, we'll just have to have another chat. It'll be great. Yeah, for um, sure. <laughs> I've, I've already started to like, I have um, two or three people already that have said to me, when you have girls in that place where they can mm -hmm. get jobs, we will employ yes. them. So I am yeah. definitely 
very yeah. excited about that. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Well, we we will we'll be in touch with that. That's amazing. Um, what would you say to someone who is listening who has um, a big idea or has you know something where they've said I I I love what you said. You said I cannot go home and do nothing. You know, if someone has that feeling, but they're like. Also, I have no idea what to do. It's it's a big issue. I remember feeling that myself of being like, what the heck even difference can I make as one person? Maybe they're afraid they, they want to help, but they don't know where to start. Whatever passion that is. is. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that, um, man, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> I really I think, like the big complex questions. Like, Yeah, it's great. I love it. I love it. Um, we could be friends. So yes. I think that I'm not trying to keep it simple, but I'm going to keep it simple. I think that because it's not really simple, but it is. Yeah. No, I get it. No, I do. I feel, I feel like if you have something that you're passionate about and it keeps you up at night mm. and, and you're like, I need to be involved in it then you need to start finding out what already is out there and mm. do your research and start mm. writing things down and start writing goals and talk to people. Like that's what I did. I, I, I went to California. Yep. <laughs> I went to yep. Windsor. Like I went, I just, I wanted to know, I wanted to know from people that had done something similar. Yeah. Um, and I just, and then also I, I got myself even more fire for my passion, like just looking into the stories. And, and then you write it down and you make goals and you get, you tell someone, you have to tell mm -hmm. someone so that you can be kept accountable. Yeah. Right. Tell yeah. somebody your right. dream. Because it's, it's scary because you don't it want someone is. to be like, that's the worst idea ever. But if it is the worst idea ever, wouldn't you rather somebody tell you and mm -hmm. be honest with you about helping you tweak that and turn that yeah. into something that's going to be amazing where if you just run off alone by yourself. Yeah. I had people tell me I was crazy. I had people yeah. tell me that it was too dangerous, that it was yeah. too risky. And I mean, I'm, I'm no martyr or anything. Um, I don't feel like I'm risking my life. Although when I think about really think, I try not to think about that too much. Yeah. To be really perfectly honest, I'm I'm mm -hmm. a number seven on the Enneagram. So I try to always think about everything has a rainbow at the end of it. Yeah. So, um, but I'm an Enneagram I, four. So I think about all the other things enough for both of us. So you're okay. Right. Okay. Perfect. So I definitely um, am an optimist, right? So mm. I just, and I'm a visionary. So I see the big picture and I don't know all the details and you don't have to know all the details because you need to find people that have strengths that where you're weak. Yes. And so that's what I did. And yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I think the, the passion is what fueled me personally. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have the money. I didn't, I didn't have the education. Mm -hmm. I just had the dream in my heart. Mm -hmm. And that's, that sounds so weird when I say it out loud, but if you're sure of something, then go after it because yeah. if you fail, at least you tried. Yeah. Like, and, like and so many times, like we, no like we've talked about before, it's like, we will like, don't, 
don't sit with like all the reasons why it won't work. Like I don't have enough experience. Yeah. I don't have enough money. I don't have like, yeah. how's it going to work? And just, you know, start, start surrounding yourself with people, like you said, who, who can be in it. Like we, I think we, we, we believe that first of all, when we have these kinds of dreams and whatever, we have to a put it all, make it all come into existence magically instantly. And that we have mm -hmm. to do that all by ourselves. And right. both of these are lies. Yes. <laughs> and both yes. of these keep us from actually ever, if I took anything from your story of how you guys started, it's that it was one step at a time. Yeah. It was like, what's the thing step. in front of me? What's the next yeah. thing I can do? Not yes, have the vision for what you want it to look like, but what is the thing in front of me? Because so yeah. often the road to where we think the road's going to look one way to right. get us where we're going. And it's going to look like something completely yeah. different. So one, one step at a time. And taking um, that step of faith too, right? Yes. Like, yeah. If you're like sure that this is an open door, then walk through it. Yeah. If it's not the yeah. right door, you'll get the door slammed on your face. Like it's okay. Yeah. yeah. So then you try a different door. Yeah. Um, I think that it's really important to, to, to go after things because then like, I'm not going to regret it. I would have regretted not trying. Like yeah. I, I just, it was too, it was burning in me, you know? And yeah. I, I had somebody say to me, a, it was actually a, a pastor in the city said to me, you know, it's really dangerous. And, you know, I don't know if I really want my church to be like associated, like, because we could be in danger. And like, he talked a lot about danger and fear. Mm. And I just said, okay, so if Jesus was walking the streets today, I know that he's in us, but if mm -hmm. he was alive right now, I promise you he would be with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's where I need to yeah. be. I need yeah. to be with the people who nobody wants to be with. Yeah. And I have to fight for them. Now, not everyone's so called to do that. Yeah. Maybe, but I'm, my life is not um, worth living if I'm not going to risk it for people. Mm hmm. That's so good. Is That's it? So good. Yeah. Like, no, it is. Not. <laughs> like it's yeah. like having a child. I lay down my life when I have when I gave birth, basically. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, OK, I've done that twice. So why wouldn't I do that for people who need me? Right. Right. So. That's so good. Um, how how has your perspective or your heart changed from uh, before being involved on the front lines to being involved in the capacity you are now? Um, like, are there things that you have learned or ideas that have maybe shifted or that your heart's been softened or hardened for better or for worse? We know that can go both ways when we're working in difficult and, and dark places. So how can I say this? I feel like I had a um, dynamite went off in my heart because my heart feels like it's exploded in so many different directions. The capacity to love people has increased. The capacity mm. to not be judgmental. Um, I'll give you an example. We were walking in on a trail one day and um, me and the residents and uh, we were joking around and talking and all of a sudden the one got really quiet and I had just, so I had just moved into a house recently 
and I was complaining about the fact that I had no grass in my front yard and my appliances weren't in yet. And, you know, this is very inconvenient. Mm -hmm. And so we're walking <laughs> along the trail and she says to me, see that spot over there in between the trees? I said, yeah. She says, I lived there for a year. Mm. <laughs> I said, oh. She said, yeah, it was really cold in the winter, but it wasn't that bad. I mean, mm. and I'm like, I just need you to know that I am sorry for complaining about my appliances not being in and not having mm. grass. And I will never complain about that again. Mm. And I said, thank you for opening my eyes to how privileged I am and mm. how blessed I am. And I am mm. so sorry that you went through that. So even just like them coming in with nothing on their backs, like just the clothes on their back, no proper shoes, or I have so many shoes and so many clothes and I, I have a beautiful family. And so my heart is just exploded. Like I, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's done wonders for me and my family. Um, mm. I am willing to risk my life because mm -hmm. I don't really feel like it's a risk, but I know it is risky. Mm -hmm. um, but I would rather die doing something good for the world mm -hmm. than die sitting there doing nothing and binge watching Netflix and hoping that my life is going to be <laughs> just, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just want to do something good. Mm -hmm. So if I, if I die in the line of like in the line of duty. Yeah. Okay. You at least know that you to. were exactly where you were supposed to be. Exactly. Like, I'm not asking for that. I'm trusting God and believing that he's going to protect me. Like, I definitely yeah. do. I pray. And But, wow, like, wouldn't that be worth it? You know, like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure my kids don't want me to die young. And, and that's not what we're believing for. No. But <laughs> I, do you know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah. man, I get to get up every day excited because I know I have something purposeful to do. Like right. my son always tells me, oh, I really don't like my job, right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, I just can't even believe they pay me. That's what I say. <laughs> I can't believe yeah, they can't pay believe me to I do what I love. To do this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very <laughs> different. Um, what are your, your future? I think we talked about this a little bit, but um, if you want to go into it a little bit more in depth, you can, but what are your future kind of dreams? Um, of and vision for the Elora house. Yeah. Um, so besides adding a second and third phase, I would love to have something across Canada mm -hmm. that's like this. Another huge area that I would love to inspire someone to work with me on or get started on is the whole mental health issues. Mm. Um, just the care and the facilities. I mean, I'm thankful for what we have, but again, just filling in those gaps, right, yeah. of what's needed. I Because I've had experience with family members and with the girls, I see the gaps and I'm thankful for what we have, but I, I have so many ideas on how to make it better. Yes. <laughs> so, well, well, that's I, the thing is like you, you start out and you're like, okay, I think this is what is needed. And then and then you like meet a couple of the women and you're like, okay, like some of the things 
we got right and some we got wrong and some we need to tweak and some we need to add. And that's just all part of, you know, it doesn't mean that you did a horrible job at the beginning. It just means you're learning. It just means yeah. the more you meet people, the more you start to see, wow, like there's a lot of mental health behind so many of these things. And if we could tackle that, we could, you know, improve this over here, you know? And, and I think that's yeah, absolutely well, awesome. I hope that happens. Yeah. And like even going one step further. So I talked in a couple of times I talked at a school and like getting into the school system and making the children aware and the students were amazing, asking me lots of questions and teaching healthy relationships. Whoa. Yeah. Right. I wish I had learned that when I was 14 or 15. Yeah. And then even one step further, teaching parents how to have healthy connections and healthy relationships with their children. Mm -hmm. Like it all, it's just this big, like, what is the root? Yeah. yeah. What is the root cause to these girls? Most of them, it's a lack of identity. It's a lack mm -hmm. of acceptance. It's a lack of love being shown mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. I think we can mm -hmm. fix that. Yeah. We can sure try. Right. <laughs> well, I said, I said to, um, my husband, when I first started, if I just helped one girl get mm. out and change her life, that's one girl that's important. <laughs> it's all worth it. It's it, it keeps you going, right? Like, it's like, yeah. you know what? No, like, it is important to to keep finding new ways to to help and to put things in place that that can help these women thrive, essentially, or maybe other you know kids or 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 people not end up in this position at all yeah for which sure. is you know of course would be the the goal <laughs> you know would be yep. to not yep. have to rescue somebody from an industry exactly. where they are being sold what is one thing that you have learned about the sex industry that you would want people to know or understand that everyone is a target mm. it doesn't matter what house you come out of you could come out of a healthy home or an a toxic home mm -hmm. that every child mostly female but there are males that you mm -hmm. know it happens to is a target and to keep the lines of communication open with your children and mm -hmm. when some when they're when you think they're being rebellious actually first wonder what happened for them to mm -hmm. act this way and start keeping your eyes and ears open mm-hmm mm -hmm. So good. If people want to learn more um, or get involved in what God is doing through you guys at a Laura house, where can they find you? How can they help? Where can they connect with you? So we have a website, alorahouse.com. Pretty simple. Um, we are on Facebook and on Instagram or they can like, there's um, the phone numbers and all that stuff's on there that they can reach out to us, email us, um, all the information's on the website. So I always tell people to go to the website, get their info, and then they can reach us through that. We just have one final question that we okay. ask everyone because okay. we are a coffee company and because you can tell a lot about a person by how they drink their coffee. Or, I mean, maybe they don't drink coffee. And that's okay. <laughs> we will not judge you. We will not understand you, but we will not judge you. Um, <laughs> if you could have your coffee exactly the way that you like it, who would you drink it with? What would you drink? Where and when? 
First of all, I will say that every morning when I wake up, I drink water with lemon. I do not drink coffee because I wake up with enough energy that if That's... I drink coffee, it would be scary. <laughs> so I do drink coffee once. Fair while. enough. <laughs> I drink espresso. Okay. Um, occasionally, mm -hmm. I'll drink uh, cappuccino. Mm -hmm. And um, I love coffee being drunk in Italy. <laughs> That's my favorite place to drink it. A cappuccino in Italy <laughs> is like the mecca of like I don't exactly even know. I, or I would or an affogato with gelato um Ooh. those are amazing um so i've had both of those in italy um overlooking you know the ocean like it's like it's kind of my favorite place so um i would do that with my best friend my husband or my girlfriend who's my best friend so mm -hmm. those would be who i'd want to be with and yeah. um Espresso is my favorite. I, yeah, I do love espresso. Just pure espresso. Which is funny because you're like, I can't drink coffee every morning because it would give me too much energy. And then you're like, but my favorite is espresso, which but, is basically like an energy <laughs> ball of fire going yes. directly to your bloodline. Exactly. Like exactly. But when I have it, it's generally like I'm on vacation yeah. and I'm relaxing and I I'm I'm more tired because I'm sitting around so then I need yeah. it. <laughs> fair enough. I mean <laughs> fair enough. That's amazing. Well, yeah. thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Um you are absolutely making a difference in your corner of the world and we thank you on behalf of uh -huh. all the women that you have reached out to and that you are going to in the future with all of the things that are coming. Um it's amazing and it's not because it's, you know, big and bigger, grand or impressive, which it also is, but it's also just because you matter and you are passing that on out of love to the women and showing them that they also matter because you came to know that you matter. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I just want you to know that you matter and you're just doing it out of this place of like love and genuinely like, I just, I'll say it again. I cannot go home and do nothing. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you so much for taking the time to be here. This has been awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for inviting me. I was a little bit nervous, but this was so fun <laughs> just to have this conversation. And um, I sometimes feel like very, like, what's the big deal? You know, like I just opened this house and because to me, it just was the, what I needed to do. And mm -hmm. so I do matter. And so do you. And so does everyone. Mm -hmm. And I, and we just want to facilitate a, a safe home. So thank mm -hmm. you for letting me share because it's just been fun talking about it. And it energizes me just to reflect on what's been mm -hmm. happening and makes me excited for the future. So thanks. Awesome. We're excited too. Thank you. What a wild ride. Is Louisa not the best? She just gets me so pumped up. And if you're like me, you probably leave these episodes with more questions than you came with. Well, we want to hear them and maybe even we can get our guests to answer some of them for you. You can send your comments and questions anytime to wildgingercoffee at gmail.com. We always love hearing from you. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in November.